Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope. Thank you. 
is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. Is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. Trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. As summer flowers, we fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty hurry by. But life eternal calls to us. Cross. I will not boast in wealth or might, or human wisdom's fleeting light. But I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. I rejoice in. Trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. Two wonders here that I confess: my worth and my unworthiness. My value. My ransom paid at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in.
anchors me. It's my firm foundation. Oh, how I love your truth. All that it is revealing. Grace and mercy comforting me. And since I've been concealing. I walk beside still waters, lie down in pastures green. I've seen all the beauty that few have ever seen. My cup is overflowing. I am led by your staff and rod, and He. In this moment, I see God. Oh, how I love your law for. I see your purity, your justice, and your holiness. Oh, how I love this gospel—the gift that keeps on giving. It is my hope, my only hope, my joy and reason for living. I am walking beside still waters. I am lying in pastures green. I am seeing all the beauty that few have ever seen. My cup is overflowing. I am led by your staff and rod, and He. In this moment, I am walking beside still waters. I am lying in pastures green. I have seen all the beauty that few have ever seen. Oh, my cup is overflowing. And here, in this moment, oh, here in this moment, I see God.
Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord, she sings with eyelids waking Lord, the powers of heaven are shaking Keep your lamps all trimmed and burning Ready for your Lord's returning Lord, He comes Lord, Jesus comes Kingdoms and
solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand Till my throne 
Enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
says that he spoke the worlds from nothing by his breath. It's believing he rewards you if you seek him with all you are. That he holds the book of life, the keys to death. You can learn of God through the simple faith of man. How Noah made an ark at God's command. You've heard of Daniel and the lion's den, and we know all about the faith of Abraham. There's a choir of those who've gone before us who trusted God.
your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise.
Seem to win. There is 
On the court. It's beginning to, to rain. Hear the voice of our Father. He's saying, Whosoever will come drink of this water, I promise to pour my spirit out on your sons and your daughters. If you're thirsty and dry, look up to the sky, it's beginning to rain. The young man's eyes start to shine as he tells of a vision. The old understands what he sees, he's just dreamed a dream. Alive, they reach for each other and they dance in the rain with the joy of the things they've seen. It's, It's beginning, beginning to rain. Here 
and your daughters. If you're thirsty and dry, come to the sky. It's beginning to rain. At the first sound of rain that you hear, throw open the window. Go call all the children together and swing wide the door. When the rain of the Spirit is falling, we should fill every vessel. For we who drink our fill will thirst no more. Amen. And it's beginning to rain. Hear the voice of our Father. He's saying, Whosoever will come drink of this water, I promise to pour my spirit out on your sons and your daughters. If you're thirsty, better sing that again. It's beginning to rain. Hear the voice of my Father. He's saying, whosoever will come drink of this water, I promise to pour my spirit out on your sons and your If you're thirsty and dry, look up to the sky, it's beginning to rain. If you're thirsty thirsty and dry, look up to the sky, it's beginning to rain. And all the people said, Amen. We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we're continuing I Saw God's Hand by the late missionary pastor Elwyn Martin. Much of the book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of amazing facts. In our last reading, Elwyn Martin told the tragic story of the loss of Pastor Ern Lemke's wife and two sons when the boat on which they were travelling caught fire. Elwyn had to bring the bodies back to Port Moresby, where they were buried and await the glorious day of resurrection when Jesus comes. We now commence a new chapter, A Promise is a Promise, in the book I Saw God's Hand. The sting of the morning tropical sun could scarcely yet be felt as I stepped ashore with two teachers at a small village in the headquarters of the Tarama River. As was my usual approach, I first cared for several sick people and gave a number of injections. We then gathered the villagers around and began telling the story of the great physician who will one day soon open blind eyes, unstop deaf ears, make lame men leap as a heart and unstop the tongue of the dumb 
as found in Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. I hadn't been speaking long when I noticed that despite the people's interest, agitated warriors were feeling for their bows, arrows and spears, with their eyes not on me but on their chief. Their actions suggested that trouble was brewing. It could lead to bloodshed. Just then, a chief with about 20 warriors, armed to the teeth, stepped onto the village compound. I knew at once that they were prepared for mischief. Through two or three interpreters, I was able to speak to the hostile chief and his warriors. It took only a few minutes to find out the cause of the trouble. Two months before, this visiting tribe had brought a little girl to the Tarama headwaters village and had sold her for an axe, or at least the promise of an axe. Apparently several weeks had gone by and no payment had been made. Now it was a case of the axe, or else. I asked the hostile chief with his warriors to sit down while I talked to him, but he had no intention of sitting down till he got the axe. Finally I convinced him that if he and his warriors would sit down and listen to my story, I would give him a new axe that I had on the boat. Thus the Bible story I had been telling had to be retold, and this was a rather slow process using four interpreters. I had been speaking only a few minutes when the visiting chief jumped to his feet and told me that neither he nor his people had ever heard this story and asked whether I would come and tell his people. I agreed. As the story continued, the chief interrupted several times by again urging that I come and tell his people the same story. Each time I agreed that I would come someday when the opportunity arose. By the time I had finished my meeting, the formerly hostile chief came over and hugged me with all his strength. You can imagine what my white clothes looked like from the pig grease that covered his body. Then I asked the chief where his people lived, expecting that it would be perhaps three, four or five hours away. The old chief waved his hands toward the mountains and with his little stone axe cut a notch in a log. You start at daylight, he said, and walk all day till the sun has set. That is that mark. He then cut another and spoke the same words and proceeded to cut another. I was beginning to wish that I had never made the promise that one day I would come and repeat the story to his people. The chief cut another notch and then another. After each notch he repeated the words about starting at daylight and walking till after the sun had set. When at last he stopped cutting the notches, I counted them and found no fewer than ten. That meant ten days hard walking. No one should assume that it would be possible to walk there in ten days and out in ten days and fulfil my God-given task. One would need to spend several days among the chief's people and then one has to make friends in every language area that he passes through. This is done by caring for the sick and those who need medical attention and telling the story of the Master's love. I estimated that it would take eight to ten weeks to make such a trip effectively. An additional burden after such a trip into primitive areas is that usually within weeks there are a number of calls for teachers to come and locate in the villages visited. I asked the old chief to give me some idea of how many people lived in his area. He told me that there were many thousands. 
Again I assured him that one day I would come. To break a promise like this one would lead to serious repercussions. Days, weeks and months slipped by and I found it impossible to fulfil the promise I had made. This worried me. The more I prayed about it, the greater became my awareness that a promise had been made and remained unfulfilled. My heart beat a little faster when I learned that the Tari Valley area had been opened up by the government and the green light had been given for mission bodies to come in. It seemed to me that the Tari Valley might serve as a starting place to fulfil my promise to the old chief, because by my reckoning I could reach his area in two or three days walking, about 40 to 60 miles, whereas to go in from the head of the Tarama River would have meant more than 200 miles of travel. Several times I unburdened my heart to the president of the Coral Sea Union. Several times I asked while in yearly and half-yearly committee meetings that we might do something about opening up the Tari Valley. Year after year, lack of funds stymied such a venture. And to add to the burden the Lord had laid upon me, I heard that two other mission bodies had already become well established in the Tari Valley. Imagine my joy when, one day, while sitting in committee in Leh, New Guinea, headquarters of the Coral Sea Union Mission, I learned that funds had been made available to penetrate a little deeper in our gospel outreach. It took less time than it takes to say it to put me on my feet and ask that consideration now be given to opening up the Tari Valley. After thorough discussion of the pros and cons, a motion was passed that pastors F.T. Mabley, Lou Grieve and I make a trip into the Tari area where an airstrip had been made to investigate the possibility of purchasing land on which to establish a mission. Possibly the only reason I was asked to be one of the three to go was that I knew the Matuan language, which was the language used by government patrol officers and native police. The three of us lost little time in chartering a light aircraft. We took with us a tent and sufficient bedding and clothes to last us a week, as well as the wherewithal to trade with the tribe's people. The Tari Valley people, an interesting and colourful people, gave us quite a welcome, but we were disappointed to learn that government restrictions would keep us within a one-mile radius and that in our search for suitable land to establish a mission, we would have to be accompanied by an armed local policeman. The next day we began the difficult task of making friends with the Tari people, and at the same time asking whether they would be prepared to sell us land. Actually, we were not able to purchase any land outright, but when the owners of land who are willing to sell can be found, then the land is purchased by the government, and leased at a nominal rent on a 99-year basis. We felt that the Master was with us, because on the second day we found a suitable piece of land and the people were willing to let us have it. We arranged to meet the owners the next morning at the government station to complete the necessary documents. But when the time came, the government patrol officer informed us that the people did not wish to let us have the land. Of course, this meant beginning all over again. 
After searching another day and a half, we were told of a people who wished to make ground available to us. Although it proved to be not quite as suitable, we decided we had better close the deal. Again, arrangements were made to meet at the government office the following morning to sign on the dotted line. But alas, the owners refused to sign, saying that they had decided not to sell. We began our search all over again and after two days hard going, came up with what appeared to be our next best situation. Yes, the people wanted us and were prepared to sell. So for the third time we planned to meet at the government office the following morning. You will understand that each offer to sell was made by different groups of people. We felt that we had come to the end of our tether when again we were told that the people had decided not to sell. Soon after coming out of the government office, I spoke to the government interpreter who spoke Matuan, and thus the Tari people were unable to understand our discussion. Why is it that every time we find suitable land and the people are willing to sell, they change their minds when we get to the government office? The interpreter told me that the government office had nothing whatsoever to do with their refusals. We were being followed at a distance every day, he said, by representatives of two other missions. And when we found people who were willing to sell, they went to them at night and told the people if they were to let our mission come into the Tari Valley, they would have to give up their multiple wives, smoking, betel nut chewing and pigs. It seemed that we would have to admit defeat. We spent another two days searching, but by this time the people showed little interest in wanting to show us land and no interest in wanting to sell. We seemed to be faced with no alternative but to fly out again and wait until such time as the master opened the way. As we discussed plans to charter the same aircraft to come in and fly us out, I began to feel more and more frustrated. How would I fulfil my promise to the old chief? We decided to spend much time in prayer that night, for surely if God wanted us to establish work here, nothing could stand in the way. Only the angels of heaven recorded the anguish of our prayers, as pastors Mabelie, Grieve and I poured out our hearts to the Master, whom we humbly challenged to do something so that our costly trip would not be in vain. Toward daylight the next morning, I heard someone tapping on the outside of the tent and stepped out to find a lone warrior who surprisingly spoke to me in Matuan. He told me that he and two brothers were going to offer us the very best ground in the area and that they would take us to see the land as soon as we wished. Then, if we were satisfied, they would sign it over to us the following morning at the government office. He also had something to say about not discussing whether we were pleased with the offer because he did not want anyone else to know that the ground was being offered to us. I can still see him standing there in the early morning light. To be continued. Tune in again next week for the next episode of I Saw God's Hand, written by Elwyn Martin and read by Alan Lindsay.
Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. We do not know who wrote Psalm 91, but the theme of this psalm is we are safe in God's presence. He whose life is safe in God's care shall find rest under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my safe place and my stronghold. He is my God, and I will trust him. He shall prevent us being trapped by the birdcatcher and from every devastating plague. He shall spread his feathers over you, as it were, and you shall be safe under his wings. His truth shall be like weapons of war. You shall not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor of the dangers that we can see in the daylight, nor of the scourge that cannot be seen at all nor of the devastating disasters that lay the land waste. A thousand may perish beside you, and ten thousand may die at your right hand, but the plague shall not touch you. Instead, you shall see the end of the wicked and know the destiny of the evildoer. Because your life is holy in God, and the Most High is your dwelling place, no evil thing shall happen to you nor shall any plague come near your house. For he shall command his angels to care for you, to be with you wherever you go. They shall carry you over the painful places so that you do not even injure your foot on the sharp stones. The lion and the cobra shall be afraid of you, and the lion cub and the snake will be under your foot. God said, Because my son loves me with his whole heart, I will deliver him. I will exalt him because I am his. When he prays to me, I will answer him. I will rescue him when he is in trouble and honour him. I will give him a long and satisfying life and surround him with my salvation.'" 